Hey, welcome to Evangel. Today, our lead pastor, Josh Shaldahl, has a teaching for you. So open up your Bible and listen in. Hey, it is Mother's Day today, and I know Mother's Day is about honoring mothers, but we know that there's many different people here that come from many different walks of life and many different experiences. So we not only want to honor mothers, but we want to honor future mothers, those with mothers, grandmothers, spiritual mothers, uh, all all mothers. So we're going to pray for you in just a second. But before we pray, I want to read a prayer that I wrote just for the moms in the room. This is to the women who are raising or have children. We pray for your strength. To the women who are struggling to conceive, we pray for God's provision. To the women who are hopeful future moms, we pray for God's perfect plan. To the women who have lost a child, we pray for your comfort. To the women who have chosen to end your pregnancy, we pray for your healing. To the women who are adoptive moms, we pray for wisdom. To the women who have grown up or given up children for adoption, we pray for reassurance. To the women who are stepmoms, we pray for balance. To the women who are disconnected from their mom or their children, we pray for your restoration. To the women who have lost their moms, we pray for your peace. And to the women who are spiritual moms, we pray that God would give you the grace that you need. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for these women that are here today that are every generation and represent different homes and different communities, and even those that aren't with us but are are watching right now. Father, we ask for your blessing upon them. God, that your hand would provide for them everything that they need to be able to serve you. God, that you would provide everything that they need to be healthy, spiritually, emotionally, physical. God, that you would provide every need. You know the concerns of a mother's heart. You know the concerns of a woman's heart. Father, and would you be their provision? Father, would you be more than enough for each one and what they're seeking you for? Father, bless them. Thank you that they are gifts to us, to our homes, to our church, to our community, and help us to treat them like it. Father, we give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give it up for the moms? I did specifically get a poem for the mothers in the room, okay? So this is for you. I know you all laugh because you know what's coming. Mom, I know you do the dishes and I know you cook the food. I know you scrub down all the floors, even when you're in a bad mood. And every night you walk the dog while I'm watching all my shows. On Thursdays, you take out the trash and every spring you wash the windows. Mom, I know you're sad I'll go someday and leave you all alone, but right now I'm only 35, so what other place could I call home? (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't hit too close to home for any of you. All right, well, happy Mother's Day. Glad that you're here with us. We just want to celebrate you and honor you. Welcome to church where people are strengthened by God's presence, built up in God's word, and encouraged by God's people. Yeah. I totally stole that from one of my heroes this morning, but I thought, man, what a great reason to gather together, to be strengthened by God's presence, built up in God's word, and to be encouraged by God's people. Here, let's let God's word build us up for a second. We're talking about greater things for you and I. Say greater things. God has greater things. Whatever you're going through, even if it's tough, this life is the worst it's ever going to get. 
for the follower of Jesus. There are greater things that you and I are going to receive when we go to be with him. So if it's bad, keep on going, because this is the worst that it's ever going to get. Jesus said that he has greater things in store for us. In John 14, he said, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even, but even like you want it, but even the person who trusts me. He didn't say the person that's most religious, the person that does the most things right, the person who's never sinned too bad. He said, the person who trusts me. And where man wants to look at the outside and qualify and disqualify, God pierces through and looks at your heart and he says, the only qualifier is that you trust me. If you trust me, I will do greater things through you. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Jesus had a way of bringing it back to the relationship between you and I, between us and him. In a, we, we started this series and we we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the most relational side of the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you and I get to experience today is that with the, the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to send another, which that word means just like the first, I'm going to send another who's going to come and be with you. And so there's a relationship that's opened up to you and I with the Holy Spirit. And it's, there's interchangeable words that are used for Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Spirit, God's Spirit, whatever you want to call it, the, the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is here to help and to comfort, to come alongside to strengthen and embolden you to do greater things. The greater things that Jesus has already set aside for you to do. Sometimes people aren't sure about the Holy Spirit. You hear it and you associate it with maybe a crazy thing that you heard that happened, or maybe you associate it with a really good thing, but the Holy Spirit is, is, is two parts. One is He's Spirit, which means that He's God. And the second is that He's holy, which means He's dedicated or committed to God. So when the Holy Spirit uh, at salvation, when we begin to follow Jesus, when he comes and fills this temple, like Pastor Caleb was talking about, when he comes and fills my life, he takes the nature of himself and begins to change and transform me into that nature to become more like Christ. He makes me the greatest version of myself that I could ever be. Oh, come on. That's good. You don't have to, you don't have to change the nature of who you are, that God wants to take your abilities and he wants to take your talents and he wants to use them for his glory. He's not just trying to make you into a robot. He wants to leverage who you are into the greatest person that you could be. And the other side is, yeah, he, he's spirit, he's God, but he's also holy and he's dedicated and consecrated to God. That's what it means to be holy, not to be a holy roller, not to be the one who follows the most rules, not to be right all the time because you know all the Bible knowledge, but to be holy means to be committed to God. You know that you can have all the knowledge and not be holy. You can do all the right things and not be holy. Hello. But to be holy means to be committed to God. So when the Spirit comes to live inside of me, there's a, a God quality that I take on, which means that I, my Spirit now becomes eternal, that I'll go to be with Christ in eternity. And the holy part also comes in and begins to change my life, to take me away from being dedicated to myself, to my own flesh, to my own desires, dedicated to what my friends tell me to do, and it dedicates me to the heart of God. 
So how do you know if, if the Holy Spirit is working in you? Are you beginning to experience the foretaste of heaven? You're, you're experiencing real life? And are you becoming wholly more dedicated to God? Or are you becoming less of those things? The answer to that question tells you whether or not the Holy Spirit is actually able to work in you, or maybe if you've been pushing him out, if you've been holding back, if you've been committed to other things, the prayer of the believer is that I must decrease so that he can increase. And if there's too much of me, then I have to decrease so that he can increase. Let me talk to you about how he increases in our lives. I'm building you a runway today because from last week and this week, I want to build you a runway that God's Spirit can land on in your heart. And if our hearts are right, then the Bible says God will do greater things through us. So I want to build a runway today of how God's presence works. Not just who he is, not just who the Spirit is, but how the Spirit works in the world today and even in the church today. So follow with me in Acts 1. I'm picking up where I left off last week. It says this in Acts 1, 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. He dead. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit long ago spoke through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He's saying what happened to Judas, David wrote about it in Psalms a long time ago, and he's going to tell us what to do with all that's happened. Come on, you know the Bible speaks to you about what will happen and what you need to do in the meantime. <laughs> the Bible will speak to you about God, what God is going to do in your life and what you need to do in the meantime to get there. Yeah. All right. It is alive. It is active. It is cutting into us and changing us. God's word. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, told them things concerning Judas, Number, verse 17, he was one of our number and shared in our ministry. 18, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, he died. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms. The Bible tells us that this was going to happen and what to, do, what to do next. It says, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Peter's saying, this has happened. Judas has died. We got to take a vote. We got we to get somebody else now to be a part of the 12. So they start to discuss it. He said, it's necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. Now watch what they do. So they nominated two men, Joseph and Matthias, 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Verse 26. Then they cast lots. What? The disciples who had learned from Jesus, who had cast out demons, cast lots. 
And the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. I find in this scripture that there is a conglomeration between the Spirit of God and the spontaneity of the Spirit of God to speak and to do and the structure of God. See, people in churches today want to say we're either for the Spirit or we're for structure. And they set these two things that were never meant to be at odds with each other at odds with one another. But God is both spontaneous and structured. His systems are higher than our systems. See, we want to sometimes be given to one or the other, many times based on our personality. Well, I'm not comfortable in worship lifting my hands. That's just not who I am. That's not, I'm German-Norwegian. I don't know, my Bible says lift up holy hands in prayer. I don't think there is any exceptions. But do you see what I'm saying? We want to take it and we want to shape it around how we feel or what we think is right around the system that is comfortable to you and I. But show me the last time you were uncomfortable and I'll show you the last time you grew. It's a Mark Batterson line. I got to cite him. People are watching. Show me the last time you were uncomfortable and I'll show you the last time that you grew. There's a conglomeration here between spirit or spontaneity and structure. See, they nominated and then they prayed and then they voted or they cast lots and then they added. They acted on what God had told them to do. I don't know about you, but I am a structure person. I love structure. Ask the people that work at this church. I will redo the structure every week till the end of time because I love structure. I love reshaping structure. Uh, Janae harasses me because we, uh, we can go on a trip somewhere and we can be planning and she'll be all packed in bed. Avery's fed and sleeping and I'm still packing. Here's why. I, I packed for a trip yesterday, and I cleared off our, our longest dresser that I could find, and I laid out every outfit, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pajamas, you know? Because I want to know ex that I have everything that I need, that I don't have to worry, I forgot anything, I lay it all out, I'm a little OCD, and I love the structure. If you look at my personal or work calendar, you see the same thing. I lay out every 30-minute increment, in what I'm doing. On my to-do list, I'm the guy that, that goes back and adds things when I need a little encouragement. Like, I haven't got a lot done today. Well, okay, got out of bed, check, you know? <laughs> Fed the dog, check. It's been a pretty productive day. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. But I love, I love structure and I love tracking, but I also know that there's people in my life that are not structured. They're free. <laughs> You know, they show up, God knows when. You don't know where they've been, where they're going, what they're doing, but they, they're given more to the spontaneous. And I found out that instead of resenting that, it brings balance. And God allows that in our lives to bring balance to you and I. We are, we're meant to be both, not one or the other. We're meant to be for God. We're meant to be for the church and the family, not one or the other. Well, I can't be involved. I got a family. I'm too busy. These things were meant to work together. You serve in the church with your kids. You serve, your kids will serve God. These things were meant to work together, not to be set against each other. See, there, there's two systems of thinking that sometimes we can get into. We can get into the very logical thinking, or we can get into kind of more emotional or feeling. 
Come on, you've been in a meeting where the logical guy was leading the meeting, right? And it was like bullet point after bullet point after bullet point, debate after debate after debate, talking, 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 your head's on the desk, you know, like, I can't take it anymore. And you've been in the other side where it's story after story. This is how I feel. That doesn't work with how I feel. And there's a balance that we have to strike between the logical and maybe the emotional or maybe how we spiritualize some things. Even in Bible times, there were two systems of thinking. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. One wants a demonstration of the power. They want the sign. They want the, the, the star to appear in the sky again so they know where the Savior is being born. The others want the wisdom. Paul, argue with us. Teach us. Take an apologetics course, learning how to defend your faith. What's the difference between this view and that view? And so Paul writes to it. And you'd expect him to say, well, here's what's good over here, and here's what's good over here. But instead, Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. He takes the systems that maybe you and I figure out in our lives, and he raises the standard, and he says, I'm not going to talk about either one of these. We're going to talk about Christ crucified. See, people come in, and they want to talk about uh, what they did in their Catholic church or Lutheran church or their other Assemblies of God church or how they were raised. You know what? We're for all kinds of churches. We say that all the time. We're for worship churches and teaching churches and and evangelist churches. We're for all churches. Why? Because our standard isn't one or the other. We're all the body of Christ. And as long as they're preaching Christ crucified, we're all on the same page. As long as the the main thing, as long as the main thing is in order, and this is what Paul's saying. He's not saying it's, it's not all about wisdom. And it's not all about the spontaneous moment or the sign and wonder. Don't chase those things. Chase Christ and these things will happen. These signs shall accompany those who believe. These signs will come after. When you fix your eyes on Christ, the signs and wonders, the power of God will follow your life. The wisdom and the knowledge of God will follow your life. But the first thing is Christ crucified. And when you walk into this place and you begin to worship Jesus, you don't got to think about what anybody else is doing, why you worship one way or the other. You you ought to think about Christ crucified and let it be an overflow from your lips, an overflow from your body language. I'm a structured guy, so sometimes I jump in worship. Sometimes I lift my hands. Why? Not because that's what we do at Evangel, but because I know I got to get off of the structure side and give myself to something else once in a while that maybe is a little bit more uncomfortable for me. And I don't, I don't make, the other thing about it is all the wisdom that you have about faith or about Christ or about any topic, maybe it's the wisdom you have that drives you away from Christ. All wisdom and knowledge points to Christ. Any amount of wisdom and understanding that you get, you might be denying it, you might be fighting it, you might be building a case against believing, but really at the end of the day, Usually people come full circle and find out that even in all wisdom and understanding, it's only in God. There are things you and I simply will not be able to figure out. There are questions that you and I will not be able to answer. Even in all the the things of the Spirit, the signs and wonders, 
We believe that God can heal you physically. We believe in, in the, the gifts as talked about in 1 Corinthians, and I'm giving you a platform to understand them right now. We believe in them, but none of them matter if we don't have love, if we don't love the people. See, we try to take the signs and wonders and the wisdom, and we point the sign back to ourselves and say, wow, I have a really powerful ministry. Or, wow, I really understand a lot of things about God. Or, man, I, God really works through me when I pray. But the wisdom and the signs were meant for one thing, and that was to be a sign pointing to Christ crucified. Why? Because he rose again. And only in him is the forgiveness of sins. Only in him is there a way to our Heavenly Father. And it doesn't matter how much wisdom you have or how much power of God is working through you. Christ crucified is the only thing that matters. Will you stand with me? The goal of the Christian life is not to be a powerful Christian. The goal of the Christian life is to be a Christian that God can work through powerfully. Because the point is to be a sign pointing people back to him. I would ask you to think about what you say and what you do and what that sign points to. Does it point to glorifying yourself? Does it point to a type of religion or Christianity that actually hurts the gospel of Jesus? Or does it point to this beautiful, magnificent Savior that is Jesus Christ? Because the greater thing, the greatest thing that he will ever do is transform your heart. And if you're looking for greater things from him, it's found there first. Will you bow your heads with me? Is there anybody in this place? And today you just need to surrender your system. You've made it about the wrong things. You've made it about serving yourself or serving your own flesh or your own desires. If that's you, would you just lift a hand all across this room? There's many hands in the last service. There's already many in this service. Anybody else? Father, we repent. We turn from our own ways, from our own systems. We confess that we need Jesus to change us. We need your spirit to live in us. We confess that we believe in you. Would you come and fill us with your spirit and with your presence and change us in the way that only you can. Father, let us be people of great wisdom and people that are powerful in your spirit, but ultimately that point back to Jesus. If we've missed that, God, we repent and we change our ways and ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us today. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged by these teachings every week. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. Send us an email at mystory@goevangel.org. For more information about our church, check us out online at goevangel.org.